You're going to help me? Well, there's going to be a revival in the land. Come on now. There's going to be a revival in the land. Oh, from the north to the south, east to the west. There's going to be a revival in the land. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, put your hands together and shout with a loud voice unto the Lord. This is victory. Hallelujah. Glory. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, what a life-changing convention. I have felt God in this place since the beginning. Brother Mangan preached to us last night. And I enjoy going to conventions, but when I get all broke up and crying all the time, I, I don't enjoy it as much as I know it's doing a lot of good. It's surgery. And surgery when you're laying on the gurney. Just not real pleasant. And then Sister Mangan this morning, Brother Gleason, Sister Mangan, Sister Mangan, you just tore me all up on the inside. And uh, something that was said there just really got it. We just, it, life is a drama. And Brother Gleason, where are you? Give us, uh, your uncle was at Orion on his deathbed as some ministers gathered around his bed for his final moment, he said something like this, Brethren, give it all you got. You never know when the curtain's going to drop. And Sister Mangan was saying, in essence, same thing. Church, Brother Mangan, you said it well. We cannot have church as usual. This is a new day, and we're a people of destiny. Hallelujah. There is going to be a revival in the land. I want to thank Brother Tenney, my good friend. He was my friend before I was married, and I've been married 40 years. 
fact, I stayed in the home as a young evangelist, Brother and Sister Tinney, when I was preaching in Louisiana. And Brother J.T. Pugh, Brother Gerald Mangan, men I have admired, and I cannot continue to go. Here's my brother Barnes. When I want something special from God, I can pick up that phone and call a man that I truly indeed believe is a prophet of God. We had a, on Monday evening, our leader spoke to us and <clears throat> we discovered what we knew all along that we're all different in our delivery. And I cannot be like you, and you cannot be like me. I'm just going to have to be myself here today. But this is the hour of vision. And I read to you from the book of Acts, chapter 2, and verse 14. And thank you for the invitation and the hospitality and the kindness for the Mangan to me while I've been here. Verse 14 of chapter 2 of the book of Acts, but Peter standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be it known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. If you will turn with me to the book, epistle of second peter the third chapter allow me to read just one verse pertaining to our present day as the apostle looked down through the scope of time and said they will be they will say and saying where is the promise of his coming for since the fathers fell asleep all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. I want to speak to you a little while today about visions, promises, and dreams. I believe the church has a vision. And the prophet or the preacher, Solomon said, where there is no vision, the people perish. And the people perish for lack of vision. We just declared that we heard the declaration of faith today why men of God stood on their feet and declared what God was going to do for them in the next two months. But I want to tell you something. If the Holy Ghost takes hold, what we heard was just about half of what God could do. This revival that we're in the midst of is a supernatural revival. 
It cannot be orchestrated by mortals. But Almighty God is in charge of this revival. And United Pentecostals, we are in a strategic position to be mightily used of God in this latter day. And it is imperative that we do not fail. So today, I, I just want you, before I start, get into this, would you just lift your voices? Let's give God praise for what he's doing one more time. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We worship you. We exalt your name. We give you praise. We give you glory. Hallelujah. 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 We give you glory. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. We're living in a, a tremendous hour. And in the book of Revelation, Jesus said in each of his letters, he had a message for the church. But the church that I perceive to be in our time and that we are a part of is not the Laodicea church. It is the Philadelphia church. I want to serve notice on you. I'm not a Laodicean. I'm a Philadelphian. How many of you Philadelphians? As a Philadelphian, he said, I have set before thee an open door. And he said, no man can shut it. I believe to the church of the present hour that there is a door that is open. And I intend to walk through that door. Since 1901, the outpouring of the Spirit in a little Bible school in Topeka, Kansas, we have passed the century mark on the latter rain outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And we have witnessed an incredible outpouring. In fact, to the point that the Life magazine give an indication and their own projections that they believe in the world there was one half billion people presently living that claimed to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I believe that is part of the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. And we have witnessed it. It is a mighty outpouring of the Spirit. But ladies and gentlemen, today, I've come to tell you that we've stepped into a new century. The last century was a century of the outpouring of the Spirit, and it's not going to diminish. If anything, it will accelerate. And there's going to be a great outpouring of the Spirit. But if you would turn quickly with me to the book of John, I want to read just a few passages of Scripture in the book of John that have come to my attention. John, Jesus in the book of John, 14th chapter, 15th chapter, 16th, even the 17th chapter, talked much about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He referred to it as a comforter. And in John 14 and 6, he said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In verse 17, even the spirit of truth, 
whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Verse 26, the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And then in chapter 15 and verse 26, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Now the 13th verse of the 16th chapter, Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. I want to say that for 100 years, we have witnessed an incredible, unbelievable outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It has jumped over the walls of denominations. It has fell on men and women as we've heard in prisons. You, the wind will blow where it listeth at its will. God is doing an awesome work in this hour. Uh, incredible. But let me say, the Holy Ghost is given to give direction, to reveal the truth. I believe that we're standing on the threshold of the wave of revelation. I said the wave of revelation. The wave of revelation. The wave of revelation. You ought to be the happiest preachers on the face of the earth. This is an hour that God is getting ready to do a work. This is not a time to soft pedal this message. This is a time to stand boldly and declare that there is one God and his name is Jesus. Come on, put your hands together. Let's just have church for a little while. Come on, let's have church for a little while. God's getting ready to do a great thing. This is our hour. This is our day. I believe what we have witnessed in foreign lands, we're going to witness in America and in Canada, North America. We're going to witness it. We're going to see entire groups by groups of ministers from other organizations. It's going to, it's going to tear your little playhouse down. I mean, the United Pentecostal Church, I hate to mess your hairdo up this morning, but the United Pentecostal Church is just like a bunch of saints. When folks start coming in and getting saved, they take your pew. They're like saints that I'm familiar with that says, I don't like a growing church. We're going to find us another church because this church is just growing too much and there's too many people around here I don't know anymore. You've got to catch the vision of Jesus. He died for the world, not for your little clique, not for your culture zone. But you've got to understand that when he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, one, 
translation says all nationalities. Brothers and sisters, America Church, we got to wake up. We've got a mission field in the backyard. We need to get on our prayer bones. We need to get the Word of God in our hands. It's time for concepts to be changed. It's time for preachers to become fanatical. Did you hear the word fanatical? We've got to become radicals for Jesus Christ. The early church had a radical message and they changed the world. Let's put our hands together. I like to feel the Holy Ghost flowing. This is our hour. This is our day. You be seated. I want to say some of these things right because I understand the general superintendent is repeated quite often. Telephone system's going to be very busy after this service. But I can tell you one thing. Don't you change. Now, this is just a little talk. It's still Acts 2.38. Still John 3.5. Death, burial, and resurrection. Application to death, burial, and resurrection found in Acts 2.38. Repentance. Baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. Infilling the Holy Ghost. Sometimes you have to cover your back. I just did. Holiness is still in style. I don't want any part of Hollywood. We don't need Hollywood. I mean, where we're going, we don't need it. So don't back up. Don't shut down. Stay what you are. That's the reason they're going to gravitate this way. If they wanted that milk toast religion, they'd stay right where they're at. They want something that's challenging and biblical and makes a difference. So stay where you're at, but make room. Did you hear what I said? You've got to make room for what God, in His sovereign way, is going to do. And because they come to us, and if there's any of you brethren here today that's on your way in, and you don't, your wife doesn't look like our ladies yet, we're not here to castigate you. We love you. But I want to say this, we're not changing. You see. And the tragedy is some of our people have felt as they started coming toward light, well, maybe we need to compromise a little bit and go their way and meet over here. So if you do that, we won't last any time. And I do not equate hard, bitter spirits with strength and holiness. Just won't work. You will never win 
the Trinitarians by manifesting a superiority, a better than you. You will win them by humility and preaching truth, unadulterated truth, the whole counsel of God, the whole truth. As we have heard in this conference, this is our day. Now I'm talking about visions and dreams. Every young preacher that's here, I'm so happy to see so many young ministers here because of the times. Because young men have great vision and dream. I've, I've still got mine, so I must be young. I've got more vision right now than I've ever had. I've got more than I know what to do with. But I'm serving a powerful God. We're going to get there. See, this is not my church. It's not your church. I said it's not my church. It's not your church. Dictators don't work in God's church. Theocratic government is God's style. Hallelujah. This is God's church. You are the head shepherd under the chief shepherd. But this is God's hour, and God's going to use us. And our dreams and our visions are essential to get where we're going. And if you're at this convention and you have lost your way, you're at the right place. What I've heard already in this, in this convention has given me back a dream or a vision, and it should give you back. And you better not leave because of the times without one. Because the people that perish, let me just talk and address that issue, perishing. Perishing are people that prevaricate still call themselves preachers but they yoke up with something else this is not the hour for prevarication this is the hour to be strong got my foot on the rock hallelujah i know where i'm going this is a message that i love i'm not throwing in the towel i am what i am i'm a jesus name tongue talking holy ghost preacher i am a holiness preacher i'm a soul winning preacher Come on now, church. You got to be what you are. You don't have to leave this. All right. We want to get that straight, but we have to keep that vision. If you don't have that, if you've lost that vision, get it back. Because without a vision, you'll perish. You will perish. The people you pastor will perish. You've got, it's essential, absolutely essential for you to have vision. Know where you're going. And when Brother Mangan stood up here and started uh, pulling it out of us. How many are you going to baptize by Easter? And all across this building, men of God and women of God were standing and they were making a declaration of faith. They were saying, this is going to happen. You've got to have vision. A church will deteriorate without vision. You've got to know where you're going. That's why you need to run those Sunday school buses. That's why you need a register on the wall. You need to let people see what God's doing. That's why you need to put a, a, something on the wall and say, we prayed through five tonight. And Wednesday night, we're going to pray through five more. And Sunday, we're going to baptize some more. Have a vision. Give your people some vision. I believe the United Pentecostal Church needs vision. I see entire congregations come into this truth come into this truth brother how i wouldn't be surprised uh, that we would have 20 to 30 organizations in other countries with a hundred churches 
500 churches, 1,000 churches uh, saying, I want to be baptized in Jesus' name, and I want to become part of that United Pentecostal Church. I want to tell you, Brother Harper, it wouldn't surprise me that there, by, within five years, if Jesus tarries, uh, there wouldn't be 500 United Methodist pastors uh, that would embrace this doctrine uh, and say, I want to be baptized uh, in Jesus' name. Uh, I'm saying, hold the anchor, uh, but reach for the men uh, with vision. Give them vision. Give them hope. You got to make room on the pew. You gotta make room in the church for this great ingathering that's coming this last hour. For they're coming from the north, and they're coming from the south, and they're coming from the east, and they're coming from the west, and they're coming, and they're saying, United Pentecostal Church, teach us, love us, bring us into this truth. The wave of 2002 the next wave the forerunner has already come brother Barnes the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit we had a young uh, 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 well I said young he must have been his 40s come before the general board his name was brother Clark brother Harper brought him he actually brought two ministers from the United Methodist Church that had both received the Holy Ghost both been baptized in Jesus name and this brother Clark, very brilliant man, uh, master's degree in theology, stood before us. And with tears in his eye, he said, United Pentecostal Church, don't ever change. He said, I got an application on my superintendent's desk right now to become a United Pentecostal preacher. But what he said after that really stirred me up. He said, there are a thousand Methodist churches that are falling on their knees and the Holy Ghost has been falling in their midst. <laughs> Brother Tinney, it's a confirmation. It, to me, it was just a confirmation of what I've been feeling for months in my soul. You see, I, I cannot tell you, but I will say this now. I believe that I am in the will of God for now, for now in my life. But I felt before conference that God wanted to do a new thing in our midst. And while I believe it's imperative for the church to run the buses, to go in the highways and the byways, teach home Bible studies, go to the prisons, do everything we're doing, but accelerate a lot on it and do it a whole lot more. I believe it's time for the church to roll out the red carpet to these denominations and, and to show kindness and, and to bring truth to them. I'm telling you, there's hungry praying men out there. They're, they're like a Cornelius. They know, they're saying, my movement lacks something. The organization or the denomination I'm a part of, it's dying. And there's something wrong. And the people are walking out of our sanctuaries. And there's something wrong. And there's got to be more to religion than what we have. And I'm over here saying, hey, woohoo, we're over here. We got exactly what you want. It's found in the book of Acts. This is the book of Acts church. You want the joy unspeakable and the full of glory. You want the revelation of the one true eternal God. We have it.
Brothers, we ought to give God praise for what he's doing right now. This is our day. It is our hour. Open your door. He said, I have set before thee an open door. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, what I want to bring to you is this. Often, there is a length of time between the receptivity of vision and the fulfillment of vision. We often pick up on the vision. We've received the vision. And because, brethren, please listen to me. I have a word from God for you. Because the vision is not immediately obtained. The duration and the journey between receiving and fulfillment and fruition, there's a journey. I mean, the disciples, when in Matthew the 16th, it's very evident when Jesus turned to his disciples and said, Who do men to say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they responded by saying, Well, you're Jeremiah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. And some say you're a prophet, but they're not sure which prophet you are. And he went on to say this famous verse that we often preach, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter, Simon Peter broke that stillness. And he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus responded and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Oh, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, we all preach that part. And then it goes right into this, and it says, And then he began to show them the many things that he was going to suffer and die. And then Simon Peter responded, and he come up to him and said, Lord, it's not like you. This is not the kind of conversation. That's not the kind of preaching. We pick up on the church triumphant. We pick up on the church that storms the gates of hell. We pick up on the loaves and the fishes. We pick up on the miracles. But what about all that's going to... Don't talk about death and don't talk about suffering and don't talk about imprisonment and being stoned and ridiculed and rejected for your namesake. We don't want to hear that. We want to hear about the glory and the, and the, and the glory cloud and the Shekinah. We want to hear all that, but I'm going to tell you uh, between the inception uh, of vision that comes in uh, and the fruition of that vision, uh, there's a long journey. And some of you I preached to today, you had a vision, but because it didn't happen the first year and the second year and the third year and you're still struggling with that little old church. And, this, and you've had ridicule, you've had church splits, you've prayed people through and some of them have lost out, and you've went through a little ridicule, and maybe some of your own brethren have turned against you. And, and they've, they've castigated you, and they've made conversation out of your life. And here you are out there alone, and you're saying, I'm not sure about that vision now. I counsel you, I admonish you, if you have vision, hell or high water, demons, devils, rejection, when everything seems to go opposite of your vision, you better get a hold of it and say, God, you gave me that vision and I am not going to turn my back on it. I will preach it. I will talk it. I will pray it. I will walk down the streets of this city. I will claim it in Jesus' name. Just because it did not happen now, I will not give up.
And they did not pick up on Calvary. They did not pick up on Gethsemane. The Last Supper was not part of the drama. All they could see was the Messiah coming into his kingdom. When the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus, and she said, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, I'd like my little son John to sit on your right hand, and I'd like James on your left hand. Because all they were picking up on was the splendor, the immaculate. They were picking up on, up on the kingdom when he said he would bring down the Romans and their, their taskmasters. Uh, he would rule. He would reign. It was, it was pomp. It was splendor. But suddenly they were seeing another side. And Jesus responded to this mother and he said, it will be given to whom earns it, basically. Can they be baptized of the cup that I'm going to be baptized of? Can they drink of that cup? They said they could, but in their thinking, that cup did not include martyrdom. It did not include suffering. They could see thrones and majesty. I'm preaching to you today, brethren, that you got to get a grip on your vision. And you got to say it. It was born in my heart of God. And if he told me I was going to have a revival in my city, I'm going to have a revival in my city. If he said he was going to give me the land, the promised land, I claim the promised land and refuse the evil report. There may be some giants in the land, but I've got my eyes on a God that can take care of giants. Hallelujah. There may be opposition, but my vision is of the Almighty. I will not turn my back. I've got my face set like a flint. I've got a grip on this thing. It's a vision of God. It's a dream, and I will not turn back. I have to say a few of these things because you understand that Joseph had his vision and dream and he had the audacity to talk about it, which is a good idea, but you want to be careful who you talk to. I believe in talking about it, but I talk to myself a lot of times because I found out that I'm the best listener and have more faith than the other people outside of me. So I walk down the street, and I, I'm a walker, and I do a little jogging, and, and with, on it, I talk to myself. And I don't care if people see my lips moving. They say, that crazy fellow, what's going on? It's all right. I'm talking to myself about what my promise is, and I'm not going to give in. I got a promise, and it's way out there, but I got a promise. And if you knew what kind of a promise I had, you'd say, he's nuts. He's out of his mind. He's crazy. He thinks he can do anything. No, I I don't but I serve one for with God all things are possible brother Mangan all things are possible we can take the world I'm telling you we can take the world the world is ours now you just understand I know we're in a building about 3,000 of us you can be seated but when you go back to Pennsylvania and you go to Philadelphia you go back to New York City and Washington, D.C. You go back to that remote area of that small town and those old demons start looking at you 
and you face the reality of the circumstances there, that's when the vision could diminish greatly at that moment. Uh, but you got to have a prayer life with God. Uh, that's where prayer, Sister Mangan, uh, that's where it really pays off. Uh, we're a man of God. You will never pastor successfully without learning how to communicate with God uh, on a daily basis. It's not just in crises, uh, but in the time of good times. Uh, you need to walk with him and say, thank you, Jesus, uh, for what you did in the service last night. Uh, thank you for those you filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, thank you for anointing me to preach. Uh, thank you for the choir that sang. Uh, I praise you for it. And then when the enemy comes in, you need to get a grip on the Lord and say, God, I'm holding on to God's unchanging hand. Hallelujah. He gave the vision. I'm going to tell you, Joseph had a vision. First, his sheep stood erect. And he said, brothers, all your sheaves, they just bowed right down to me. They looked at him. They said, he's such a, he's a nerd. Next day, he went to the daddy. He said, hey, had another vision. The sun, the moon, and guess what? Eleven stars all bowed down to me. His daddy said, I rebuke you. <laughs> but between the 17-year-old boy that received the dream and the governorship of Egypt was a journey that he had no idea. The vision was beautiful. I'm preaching to you, preacher. The vision was glorious. It was so exciting, you want to tell everybody. But there wasn't a pit in it. There wasn't a lying, screaming, ranting woman in it. There wasn't a jailhouse in it. He went through it all. And he lost two coats. One his brother snatched away from him. And the other one Potiphar's wife got a hold of. But he didn't lose his dream. You're going to walk. A path you never dreamed. You say, Brother Andy, you're kind of negative. I'm not negative. I'm pumping you up. When you end up in the jailhouse, go there shouting. When they lie on you, praise God anyway. He has your destiny and future in mind when he calls you. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, if he gave you a vision, you ought to be on your feet right now shouting and saying, God, I'll never turn back. I'll never throw in the towel. You can take my coat, but I'm going to keep my vision. I will keep it. Hallelujah.
provision. We will die if we don't keep the vision. You can be seated. Glory. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. God is going to do something with this church, brother. We're not just another denomination. In the first place, we're not a denomination. And God pity us if we ever become a denomination. We're a force to be reckoned with. We are a movement in the world. We are the church of the living God. And we're not a denomination. And I don't want to blow your clear out of the saddle, but I have half a scared of the word organization sometimes. Just a dressed up word sometimes for a denomination. And we're going to fight against it. I said we're going to fight against it. And the only way we can, somebody says, you know, I'm worried about this happening. And I'm worried about that happening. If you're worried, you're not putting your trust in God. Well, I'm, we're, we're getting a little worldly. Far, I, you know what? I've been preaching 46 years, and I think the church looks better as a whole today than it's ever looked. What are you bellyaching about? You know what your problem is? You lost your vision. So you're going to find an issue. So you can pick on somebody. Beat them up. No. Your hearing's all right. You heard what I said. Go ahead and be seated, brother. A vision. Now, let me say this. If we have to deal with an issue, we're all going to deal with it. If the devil comes in and tries to destroy the church with the world or some heresy or false di uh, doctrine, we'll come off our seats and we'll fight that devil. But some of you have shadow back box for so long. Your practice in the closet is excellent. But you need to get out on the street where the devil is. Our real enemy is the devil and the world. And church, prayer, fasting, revival, Holy Ghost revival, faith, vision is what's going to bring the world to the church. It's going to fill our altars. going to trouble our baptismal waters. This is our day. And what I, what I want to say is this, don't join that crowd that's looking for the issue. The real issue is the world is going to hell. That's the real issue. And I'm going to tell you something else that I've experienced just as a pastor, my little experience as a pastor, is that when you get a red hot fire going in the church and you get the revival spirit moving in that church, it takes care of all that jewelry on the ears and that clipping of the hair on the ladies and that immodest apparel that 
people want to wear, get the red hot Holy Ghost revival fire burning, and they don't want to be like the world. They will not be like Hollywood. They want to be like Jesus. United Pentecostal Church, we can run the devil out of our churches if we'll set our churches on fire. This is our hour. It is our day. It is a journey. My vision is strong. My dream is clear. I think I know where I'm going. Hallelujah. You see it. I mean, when God spoke to the children of Israel down there in, in, in Egypt, and they cried out. In fact, when God spoke to Moses at the burning bush, he said, Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. And I'm calling you to lead them out of Egypt to a land that I promised that father of faith, Abraham. And when they begin to talk about the promised land and the glories of the promised land and the beauties of the promised land, the people are saying, let's go, let's go. Right, we can see it by faith. It's a land of promise. But they had no idea where they were going to go between Egypt and Canaan. And they lost their way. Church, we cannot lose our way. We have been preaching revival, Brother Timmy. We've been preaching about the things that are happening right now. 25 and 30 years ago, we were preaching, Brother J.T. Pugh, that God was going to bring Trinitarian pastors our way. I want to tell you, it's happening. And this is no time for monkey business. This is no time for fooling around, getting off on tangents. This is a time to focus on what God is doing in the church. I see them coming by the thousands. Get ready to love them. Get ready to teach them. Bring them in. This is our day. Hallelujah. 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 Brother Mangan asked me to just sort of state my vision, and it changed up here on the platform three or four times. I had the notes that I read at the installation service. They're totally obsolete in 10 days. That's what the Holy Ghost is doing. Hallelujah. I'm not sticking to the notes when the Holy Ghost starts working. This is our hour. Hallelujah. We're going to raise our sights a little higher. We've got to do it a little better. And, and I've talked, I see some of our leadership here today. I'm so happy, Brother Howe, our foreign missions directors here, and Brother Graham, our youth uh, uh, head of our division of the young people, and Brother Klein Dentz with Home Missions, and all of our missionaries and the leadership there, Brother Sism, our good friend. I appreciate you, brethren, but we cannot have missionary work as usual. This is a new day. God's expecting more out of the United Pentecostal Church than ever before. We've all been disgusted with this pathetic situation that we're in where missionaries have to travel two years to ever get over there to, to, to unload their burden. Pastors, how would you like to have to travel two years before you got to the little town where you started the church? Something has got to change. I, I'm not standing here and say I have the answer, but we have to be consumed. 
I said consumed with Holy Ghost passion, Holy Ghost fire. America has the resources. Canada has the resources. Something's got to break in our, in our thinking. But we're going to, one of the things, the howling of it, we're going to have to pare a nation real quick. We have thousands of brothers and sisters that love God as much as any man or woman in this building. And they are committed to the doctrine as much as any man or woman. And we're going to have to bring those people out of their nations. We can send them for a tenth of what we can send a missionary from the United States. I see a thousand missionaries on the field from other nations. I see it. We're going to have to do it. We, we've got to break loose. We've got to change our thinking. Oh, I heard some of you clear up here. We never done it that way before. Think anybody over there ever want to go? Where are we going to get that kind of money? Did the AGs try that? They didn't try it. We better not. It's about time we get our head in the book of Acts. I mean it with all my heart. I'm tired of following everybody else. It's time to follow the early church. They're the only ones that ever turned the world upside down. Our thinking has to change. Our vision has to change. This is our day. It is our hour. I'm not trying to put leadership on the spot because I'm, I've talked with them. I'm in it with them. But Brother Graham and I have talked. I tried a little bit 32 years ago when I was international youth president. It really hasn't gone too far. It's improved. But we called it, I think, Youth Corps. We said, we got some Pentecostal young people that would like to work for God. Why in the world do the Mormons have to be the only church that can send them out? Oh, but you don't know how they train them. Well, why did John Kennedy said, I, I need a Peace Corps, and they went by the tens of thousands? I'm, I was flying on a plane not more than a year ago, and there was a couple young people sitting across. They had backpacks. So I got talking. They were they had been in the university. They checked out. I said, where are you going? I said, did you ever hear of the Peace Corps? I was surprised it was still going. I said, we joined the Peace Corps. Well, I said, who's going to support you? Oh, we don't have to have much. I, I couldn't believe what they told me that they needed to live on. They joined up with the Peace Corps. Brother Graham, we have thousands. I'm going to say, we have thousands of young people 
in the UPC that want to do something for God. Don't tell me our young people are backslid. You're out of your mind. They want to work for God. And we have to provide and improvise and implement. I'm telling you, if we don't do it, we're going to be judged of God. And it's a joint effort between foreign missions and home missions and the youth department. And we got to get together and make this thing work. But our young people have to have an opportunity. And I promise you, when they spend two years working for God in a foreign field or a home mission, they're going to come back and some of them are going to say, I feel the call to preach. I feel the call to be a missionary. God's been working on me. Exposure is essential. Help us. Come on, help us. We need your help. We can't do this. We can talk all day about the vision, but this is more than talk. We got to do something. I said we cannot have church as usual. There's been times when I, I pastored church in Stockton for 30 years, getting those building programs, and then come home and groan. I've been out of 30 years, I spent 19 years in building programs. That's a truth. Almost 20. And I, then I'd come home and groan, my wife. Oh, honey, I don't know where the money's coming from. I've done it this time. <laughs> it's the truth. And then she'd say, honey, I don't want you to ever, ever go into a building program like that again. <laughs> you know what? I'd, I'd say, honey, go get my 30 6 out of the closet and shoot me. Because if I can't do it, what I feel in my heart, I might as well die. Now, that's what I'm saying before you today. If I cannot lead the United Pentecostal Church as I feel in my heart, let me die. Because I feel that we've got a mandate with this world. And we've got to reach our world. And this is no time for clowning around or vacillating. We've got to go. This is our See, we know we have the truth. But we've spent far too much time in conferences and talking about we have the truth. Now, I'm for this. You know, I've been with Landmark. This is our 29th year. Of course, I'm not there anymore. I'm sure it's not going to go very good. Be <laughs> <You> see. <laughs> Oh, we really think of ourselves, don't we? But we talk about, we've got the truth. We've got it, and we've had it so well kept. We purchased from every store we possibly, all the mothballs we could, because it's been in mothballs for a long time. That's what they do to fleets of ships with the Navy. They say, I said, and Stockton, down in the port, they parked about 40 big vessels. I looked at them, the other said, boy, they're, haven't been, yeah, they're in mothballs. Well, we've been in mothballs too long. I said, we've been in mothballs too long. Oh, but I've been baptizing, not like we're supposed to. 
We've been having revival. Not like God wants to give us revival. We've been bringing in a few. Nothing like God wants to give. This is the absolute truth. He said the Holy Ghost, the Spirit, the Comforter would lead and guide into all truth. Why in the world? If there's 500 million in the world that have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there ought to be 500 million uh, that have received the revelation uh, of the one true eternal God. Baptism in Jesus. You ought to be on your feet. Shame on you. You ought to be clapping, going out of your mind, going berserk. This is our hour. Come on. Let's go wild for Jesus. Come on. Let's become fanatics. Come on, some of you in the back, you haven't got with it yet. I want you screaming, ranting, raving. We got truth. This is our hour, church. <laughs> Whoa. Be seated. Talked to Brother Cunningham the other day. He was one of the first ones on my list. It wasn't planned. I was praying. I was praying. I said, God, since this mantle's on me, you've got to direct me. And I'll tell you one thing. I can do nothing. Now, there's some other men that are in this movement. They can, but I can't. I can do nothing without God. Because you don't know where I come from. And you don't know what I know about my inabilities. But I know. And so I'm just a vessel. If I'm going to rant, I'm going to rave. I'm going to give direction. I'm going to do everything I can because we're going to get from point one to point ten. Jesus. Now, I, I was praying and I said... Brother Cunningham, I called him. I was so excited. I said, I felt like God was talking to me. He said, what? I love Brother Jack Cunningham because everything I say, he said, that's good. Let's do it. <laughs> and that's not why he's in the hospital. But I said, I believe that the United Pentecost Church is ready to go. We need 1,000 churches, 1,000 pastors to sign a declaration that they will plant one daughter work in 2002. Uh, uh, there is sometimes you walk alone. But I believe it. I mean, I, I, I know preachers that talk all about, oh, let's win the world, let's win the world. But when you get down to where the rubber meets the pavement, they don't want to win the world. They got such a good little kingdom going. Huh, you think I'm going to give up three families? I couldn't hardly pastor that church without him. He goes out there and starts that daughter work. I used to be a pastor, and now I can just preach like I want to. 
No, I really, 1,000 pastors that would say we'll plan a dollar, a dollar work will give us 1,000 new churches. And I believe within one decade, the United Pentecostal Church could have 10,000 churches in the United States and Canada. That is not a ridiculous dream. That is a vision. And we can do it. But we got to stretch. If we can do that, we'll have more missions giving people. Our base in North America will be stronger. We can reach the world. I know money's the big thing. But there's one thing I've told the Lord many times, and He never, ever made it. I gotta quit. Easy on me. I get in those building programs. We're going to have all, the last building program, I said, I'm going to have a turnkey job. I, can, I didn't even have enough money, Brother Mangan, to buy the key. I started on a $20 million building program with $800,000 in the bank. I couldn't seem to accumulate anymore, and I walked into the church with a big roll of plans under my arm. The, everything was ready to go. I said, I just come to the conclusion that if I don't start, it'll never be done. And I'm, I'm getting, I'm 60 years old. I was going to do this when I was 50, but here I am 60. I'm going to do it. If you believe it can be done, I want you to get out here, men. Grab these plans and roll them out on the floor and start crying and praying with me. And brother, they jumped out of the pews and they come from everywhere and they grabbed the plans and they started laying hands and one would get through and the other would come up there and we prayed it through. <laughs> Hallelujah. What I'm tempting to tell you, oh, by the way, they're going to, probably dedicate, they'll probably have their first service in that building. We've been building four years. But it will be finished in about five months. It's just wrapping up. It's been a long journey. It was a long journey. But if you never start going in that direction, that's what I'm, I brought that little personal analogy and if you never start you never get there United Pentecostal Church we need to write our vision down we need to put it on the wall we need to put it in our heart we need to write it on our forehead we need to talk it every day we're gonna do it in Jesus name we're gonna have a hundred soul revival in my town we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to buy five more buses. We're going to teach a hundred Bible studies. We're going to do this, and I'm going to write it down, and I'm going to tell the church we're going to do it in Jesus' name. If we never start, we'll never get there. I had the privilege of meeting with the Sunday school board and uh, talking to them. I really felt like God put a number in my heart, and then I backed down. Faith gets a little weak sometimes. I, I had a, 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 I had the vision, and I felt real strong about it till I walked in and looked at 44 men. 
and I knew they were stretching to reach their budget. So I said, but the Lord come down and they started raising their hand. I said, God wants you, and I had 50,000 children in mind to pray through in North America this year. And I, and, I, and I said, God wants you, and I looked around, to pray through 25,000. <laughs> he said, that's no problem. We're almost there. I said, wait a second. That was Kenneth Haney talking. I'm going to let God talk. You need to pray through from 50,000 to 100,000. They got to crying and shouting, and we got to have a good time. Listen. I believe if we get our children. Sunday school's not old hat. We need to have revival. Whatever happened to bus ministry? If your fancy new church is too nice to bring in the kids from the ratty kids from the ghettos and the inner city, go rent some buildings. But let's save the children. Let's get on fire. Let's reach our children. We ought to pray through in this decade, one million children. Hear me. Raise your hand. Say it with me. One million children. Come on. One million children. Say it. One million children. When you go home, reach for your children. You get your children. You get your moms. You get your dads. Parents want to go to a church that has something going for children. They love their kids. We can give them nothing better than the gift of God and give them a Holy Ghost atmosphere. Give them the Word of God. Show them a little love. At least Jesus always had time for the children. I got to quit. I know. And I got one more thing to say. Ladies, every lady in the building, stand, please. I love our ladies. I love your sensitivity to the Spirit. You're very sensitive to, you're perceptive to the voice of God. You have some of the greatest women's conferences and ladies' retreats. My wife has been involved for years, as others here have, Sister Mang and Sister Tinney, but speaking, and she comes in. When she comes in, I just have to sit there and listen. Honey, you don't know what God did. You can't imagine. They were slain in the Spirit. People were healed. I just listen. But ladies... That's just the start. We are going to have to mobilize the women of this fellowship into women of truth groups or women of the word, whatever you want to call it, that are organized in every assembly to go from house to house daily. There ought to be thousands and thousands of women's groups in this movement. You cannot just have retreats 
I know you need to be revived. I know that. But I'm going to tell you, there's nothing that will revive you more than sitting before somebody that's hungry and imparting words. Sister Walker, you've been with us. We got some of the greatest speakers anointed. But we are going to have to get out of the sanctuary and go to the street. This is a different day. I'm challenging the United Pentecostal Church. More than ever before, we must take our world. We have a little space of time. I don't know how much time. But we have been given a space. And that's that door to the Philadelphians. I have set before thee an open door. If you're ready, to walk through that door. I want the rest of you to stand to your feet. There is a sovereign work of the Spirit going on. We are people of destiny. We can never again be the same. That is not just a phrase. We cannot say that just to say it. Our thinking, even our, this is the heart, our lifestyle, our lifestyle has got to change, and that's going to be the hardest on all of us. But if we can change it with our vision, we're going to get there. Now reach over and join hands with somebody right now, and we're going to pray about this vision. Come on. The journey may be long. But this is a vision given of Almighty God. Come on, pastor. Something great's going to happen to you today. Pastors, wives, associates, people of God, this is our hour. Come on, raise that voice just a little bit stronger. Let the angels hear you. Let God know I'm available. I'm ready. It's my day. It's my hour. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Come on, come on, come on, come on. It, it must, we must let it ring. We must let it flow out of our soul.